Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Welcome to WRM, Work Relationships Matter. I am your host, the Edward Jones, a certified life coach and podcast host. My motto, work relationships work for those who work on them. My guest is Roy Matthews. He's the deputy director for the Sacramento Job Corps. He currently oversees enrollment services and the career technical training department. Welcome, Roy. Thank you for having me. And it's great to have you here. You're looking sharp today. If I had known, I would have put on my suit, but I haven't worn one in years since uh, I've been retired. But you look great. You're a model for a business person. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. Now, I've known you for a long time, and you're successful. You've done different things, done them all well. But before we get into that, give us a little bit of background about how you grew up and how you got to be where you are today. Well, you know, we have known each other a long time, and uh, I have always admired you for the man you are and how you carried yourself. And to be to be honest, uh, I've always looked up to you. You know, I've, uh, you you've just really impressed me as a uh, as a man of integrity. And uh, I've always said, you know, uh, I I look at all you know men of color, and I look at them and I try to glean things from them that would help better me. And so just your composure, your eloquence, all of that has just really uh, been a great help to me in, in my personal growth. Uh, I'm the youngest of uh, eight eight uh, brothers and sisters. I have five sisters and uh, two, uh, two brothers, uh, older brothers. And so grew up in a, um, a small town, a military town. So my first 16 years, I grew up in, on a military installation. And so I'm very, uh, I understand uh, rules and regulations and uh, I understand authority and I understand uh, uh, what it takes to uh, get to the next level. And so uh, it taught me a lot of discipline. And the one thing that it really uh, helped me to do is just have that strength of mind that regardless of whatever obstacles come, you know, uh, to press through it. And so um, that to me has been just my strength is that, you know, life throws you curveballs, but if you have a, a goal in mind, 
you will press through and someone will always come along uh, to give you some guidance to support you. But at the end of the day, it's about you putting forth your own effort to make it a reality. Well, one thing I think about uh, being in a large family that you had to learn how to relate to people, how to get along with people, how to negotiate. That background seems to be suited for what you're doing now. In addition, that military discipline probably helped drive you too, I would imagine. Absolutely. Um, it, 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 the discipline, you, you cannot um, say enough about self-discipline. You can have all the talent in the world but if you don't have any self-discipline, it's not going to uh, help you at all. Um, and, but again, just learning how to navigate that large family, uh, like I said, five sisters, two brothers, but then also my extended family. I had cousins that have 13, 14 uh, people. And so, I, so my whole family, uh, all of my relatives are from large families. So just to be able to... Uh, Really, it's just the, the love and the affirmation from that group, you know, to always know that you got somebody there that you can call, that you can talk to, that uh, you have, uh, you have uh, role models in front of you, good and bad. You know, you see the ones that are doing well and you talk to them and you emulate what they're doing. And then you see the ones that are not and you're like, man, I, I, I don't want to go down that road. And so you turn and you go back. And so... Uh, I'm re really grateful uh, for my upbringing, for, you know, my family and uh, for uh, just just life in general. Um, it hasn't always been easy, but uh, like I said, just just the support of family and friends has helped me to get to where I am today. So what is your parents? What what lessons did you learn from your parents? Because obviously they were the ultimate leaders in the family. And I imagine that helped inform where you are and your future and some of the things you do today. So what did you learn from them? Well, you know, it's, and I, I appreciate you asking that question. Um, neither one of my parents uh, had much education. Mm -hmm. uh, but what they did do was they valued education. I can remember ever since I was a little kid, uh, my parents always read, you know, and we would sit around and we read newspapers, we would read books. You know, one of the punishments for us when we were growing up is that you couldn't go to the library. <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, but that's, that was one of the hangouts, the kids in the neighborhood we, we hung out at the library. And so, you know, punishment was you can't go to the library tonight. And so, uh, but they taught the value of, of reading and uh, b doing your best. And they just really, they, they modeled for us just perseverance, you know, just going out there, working hard every day, supporting the family, uh, one of the things I, uh, my mother, uh, she passed away a couple of years ago. And Sorry, one of the yeah. things, one of the things I said at her service was that, you know, one of the things she taught me, she taught me that with an opportunity to get an education and with faith in God, you can do anything that you, that you put your mind to. And, and that's how I have lived my life is that, you know, uh, I'm a person of faith. 
And I just believe that uh, with the opportunity, I always say opportunity because a lot of people aren't going to take advantage of it. But, right. you know, my, but my parents, they gave us an opportunity to go to school and then to build from that. And so I was very fortunate because uh, of my siblings, I'm the only one that uh, uh, graduated from college, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but it was the simple fact that I wanted something different. And I didn't want to struggle my whole life, you know? And mm -hmm. so I just realized in order for me to get to the next level, I, I saw that education was the way for me to do that. So through a lot of prayer and a lot of hard work, you know, uh, I'm, I am where I am today. That's great. Now, you've had a number of positions, uh, step by step from where you uh, started to where you are now. Uh, just give us a brief overview of that. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, one of the things that I do now, so I work for a company, um, Sacramento Job Corps, but mm -hmm. we actually have a contract with the federal government through the Department of Labor. I work for a company called Career Systems Development Corporation. So we put in a bid with the federal government to run this job center. So we have we have a job uh, workforce training centers all over the country. And so I've been given the opportunity and privilege to uh, run this center here. And uh, my whole life, even when I was uh, going to school, I've always tried to help people to, um, to find employment or to get better, uh, to take advantage of opportunities that were out there. And so for me to be right here now doing what I'm doing, it's like I've come full circle that I have a passion. You know, uh, when we were, you know, one of the things we always talked about in school, you know, the argument in the, in the uh, African-American community is Booker T or, or W.B. Du Bois right. in regards to should we go, should we just focus on education or should we focus on workforce training, you know, uh, developing the trades. And I say it's, it's not either, or I say it's both. And, and so right. one of the, so one of the things that I have the opportunity to do here is I work with uh, young adults from ages 16 to 24. We help them get an education, but then we also help them to, uh, de uh, to, to develop a trade. So we have programs here where they can, uh, learn heavy equipment operation, they can become a heavy equipment operator. They can get into construction, medical field, all of those different trades uh, that are available that a lot of us, uh, when, we, when we were younger, uh, we saw a lot more people of color in those various trades, but you don't see very many African-American carpenters anymore or plumbers or things. So what we're trying to do is we, we're trying to reintroduce these trades to, uh, to the next generation. And so uh, that, that has always been my passion is just to really to help people to, to do better and to take advantage of opportunities. And so uh, I'm really fortunate to be able to do something that I really uh, wake up every morning excited to come here and to do. And you have answered my second question. I can feel the passion. And the question is, did you choose your career or did it choose you? I think I know the answer, but I'll let you go ahead and and, uh, and answer it officially. Well, you know what? I think we found each other. 
because um, like I said, I had a, I have a passion for it, but mm-hmm. I didn't even I didn't even realize that the opportunity existed until mm-hmm. I got here. And so uh, was in uh, in conversations with some people and they reached out to me and told me about uh, about this company and about what they're doing. And it excited me because again, that's my passion. And so for, for me to have, uh, uh, you talked about my work experience. I, I have worked in, uh, so when I was in college, I worked my way through college work, uh, uh, working in the hospitality industry. So I've managed mm-hmm. some some of the largest hotels uh, in the world, Hyatt's, Sheraton's, Marriott. So I've managed those. And then also, um, in addition to that, uh, I've always had a, a heart for our community and especially in terms of economics, uh, economic development, economic opportunity. And so I had an opportunity to go and, and to be a part of the Urban League. And so the mm-hmm. National Urban League, uh, that's what they do is they, they focus on uh, creating uh, job opportunities for people of color who may not traditionally get that interview, get the introduction. So my role mm-hmm. was to go out and to develop opportunities for qualified uh, applicants who may not be able to get into the door. So I would go and I would talk to companies and, you know, we talk about diversity, equity and inclusion now. That's those are mm-hmm. the in words. But for so often, uh, you go you go to employers and they said they can't find anyone that look like us that are qualified. And we know that that's not true. And so one of my things was to go in there and be that initial contact to let them know that there are qualified people out there, but you just have to go and uh, find them. And so what I would do is I would, through the Urban League, we would recruit uh, people of color uh, who are qualified. And we would mm-hmm. introduce them to these companies and, and to help to diversify um, uh, their employment. And so, again, like I said, I just, you know, just have a passion for that. One of the things that the Urban League does every year is they have this diversity job fair downtown at the uh, prior to the renovation of the convention center. We were hosting it there uh, the year before, a couple of years ago. We uh, they've been hosting it over at the Hyatt Regency. Be, uh, as the uh, remodel is taking place, but again, it we brought in you know 75, 80 employers, and then we would uh, have people come in, and they would get a chance to get that fa- initial face-to-face contact. And so, uh, again, I'm just passionate. I know that we have great, talented uh, people in our community. And they just need an opportunity to be able to present themselves. And if they if they get a chance to present themselves, they're going to do a great job, and they'll be a they'll be an asset to the organization. They won't be just a token, but they're actually going to contribute to the bottom line of any organization that they work for. And this is, is in line with that, but a little bit off the track of the the work relationships. But back in the day, there were a lot of jobs in the African American community when they were taken out. That's when a lot of the communities went down and families started to break up and that sort of thing. And so I hear from some of the people from some of the organizations I work with that there's a lot of uh, tension among people in, 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 in communities of color, uh, sometimes violence. So is this a way to kind of turn the corner on that? It's, it's a way. It's not the only way, but it is a way. I think one of the challenges 
that we have to do in the uh, uh, African community is that uh, we have to hold each other accountable. Um, mm -hmm. I think that uh, one of the things that we have to do, uh, Brother Ed, you know, you grew up in a time when not only your parents raised you, but your, your community raised you. And, and we have lost that in, in, in this generation. Uh, I was just talking to someone here today at, at the center and I was, and you know, they were talking about young men. Uh, we do have a dress code here. So, uh, but when kids are out in this, you see them in the community and you may see some young African-American uh, male who's sagging. And I, I was talking with the individual. I said, I don't blame that young man for sagging. I said, I blame us because we didn't train him. I said, I said he can't do what he has not been taught. I said, but when we were growing up, even if you didn't have a father in the home, there was somebody in the community that would spend some time with you and teach you how to be a young man. And what's going on now is that we don't, we've lost that voice in the community where uh, young men, where men of our age are looking at these young men and coming walking beside them and, and, and taking them under our wing and showing them how to play catch. I can remember my father, uh, there was some young men in, in my neighborhood that didn't have fathers, but my father would get off of work and he would come out there, get his baseball glove and he would play catch with all of us, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, you know, in, in going to, making sure that the boys were signed up for little league baseball and making sure you get to the game. And so it didn't necessarily mean that you had to have a father in the home, but there was a father somewhere that was going to look out after you. And I think that's one of the things that's missing. And so, you know, when you have the streets raising the kid, they're going to be raised differently than if you and I are pouring into their life. All right, so I say, say that T.D. Jakes. <laughs> but but what I, one thing that I pick up is leadership. I don't have to ask when did you become a leader? It seems like you've always been a, a, a leader. Would, would you say that that's, that's true? And what kind of instilled those leadership skills in you? Well, you know what? And this is one of the things that really means so much to me is I can remember when I was a little boy playing Little League Baseball and I was, uh, uh, I was 11 years old and I would... I was a sore loser. I mean, when, when we lost, man, I, I would just throw bats and I would just have a temper, temper tantrum. I was just a poor loser. And my coach, and this is the point, my coach, he came up mm -hmm. to me and he says, Roy, he says, anybody can win. Mm -hmm. He says, but it takes a special person to lose with class. Mm. He, said, he said, you got to learn how to lose. He said, because you're not going to win all the time in life. Absolutely. He, said, he says, but you got to learn how he said, you got to learn how to, to, to lose. And then the other thing he taught me was um, the, the league was for, for, for nine to 12 year olds. And so when I became the older one on the team, the year, the year, my last year that when I was 11, uh, we ended up in the league, we ended up in last place. And so, like I said, I was just a bad loser. So I, I determined when I was 12, I was like, we are not going to lose this year. And mm -hmm. so I was, I was a really good baseball player. Um, 
several right. in a, several baseball major league teams looked at me when I was in in high school and college, and so I was I was a really good baseball player. But when I was twelve, the thing that stood out to me, I, I told the coach, I told him, I said that we were going to win the championship. Right. Uh huh. And what ended up happening? So what I did, I took it upon myself. I showed up for practice every every day. And I practiced hard. I ran through all okay. the drills. I led by example. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so that that particular year, we actually ended up winning the, uh, the championship. But it, okay. was, but it was because of my example. And I showed up. I didn't rest because I was the best player. But I, I mm-hmm. used being the best to set the example for everyone else. And this is the standard right here. If I'm the best player on the team, and I'm out here running hard and I'm playing in the sun and I'm running through the drills. This is the expectation of everyone. And everybody right. followed and everybody followed my lead. And then it dawned on me, I was like, I'm a leader. Mm-hmm. It dawned on me that I was a leader. And so from then on, I've always been mindful that people watch me and they're gonna watch what I do more than what I say. And so that has that that when I was 12 years old, um, that changed me. And as a matter of fact, with my company that I work for right now, uh, we have a leadership discussion every Monday afternoon. And so mm-hmm. uh, what I've been talking about. Uh, so this is for all the managers throughout the whole organization. And so I was mm-hmm. leading the discussion the last two weeks. And so what I've been talking about is teamwork. And then also today I was talking about what does success look like, mm-hmm. you know? And so again, but it all, it all falls upon leadership. And uh, uh, one of the ladies that was participating in the call, she said something mm-hmm. I'd never heard before. She talked about, she talked about collaborative leadership. Okay. And that, and I was right. like, that, I told her, I said, I'll give you credit the first time after that, that it belongs to me. So I'll mention okay. <laughs> But yeah, so she mentioned, go ahead. Go ahead. No, so no I was going to just you, say. Would you consider that your leadership style? Um, You know what? I would prefer that to be my, my style, but sometimes you're, you're compelled to, to, to really, to take the lead, but I would like to, I, I would like to be collaborative. I would like everybody to sit at the table and let's, let's lead together. But sometimes uh, a, a call has to be made and somebody has to be willing to, to make the call. And mm-hmm. so uh, I'm like, okay, I'll do that. You know, mm-hmm. If I if I have to, I'll do it. But I would like for us to to collaborate. But if if necessary, I am willing to 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 make that call. Great, sounds good. Now, one thing about it, you have great things going on. What is the toughest situation you faced on the work situation on a work setting, and how did you handle it? You know, um, I'll share something. Uh, that happened to me uh, years ago when I was working in the hotel industry. So I was working as a a manager um, for a particular hotel. I won't name them. But what ended up happening was um, I was, I was the evening manager. So it's one of the largest hotels uh, in the city. It's a five-star hotel. And so 
I was working at this particular hotel and what ended up happening, this was a Friday night. And so I show up for my shift. I was working the uh, evening shift. So I was going to work from two o'clock until uh, the bar closes, which is at two o'clock in the morning. So I was going to be there from two o'clock in the afternoon until the bar closes at 2, 2 a.m. So what ended up happening, I, when I walk into the hotel, um, the sales manager comes to me. We're sold out. So the hotel is mm -hmm. sold out. The sales manager, she comes up to me and she says, Mr. Matthew, she says, we forgot to put a group reservation in the system. She says, we have 500 people showing up that we don't have rooms for. We're oversold. And so I, I sit there, I'm like, okay, I was not expecting to walk <laughs> into this this evening. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but the thing that was, but here's the situation. Uh-huh. <laughs> they, all, they all turned around and said, okay, we're leaving. You have a good shift. And they all went home. So mm -hmm. now I had to figure out what is going to happen with these 500 people. Now, the, the thing, this is, and this is leadership. This is leadership right here. So I went to the front desk staff, the people that check in the guests, and I, I called the huddle and I told them, I said, this is what's getting ready to happen. You know, you have five, you're oversold by 500 rooms. And so you're going, I said, so we have to come up with a solution. So the first thing I did, I had one of the, uh, one of my sales reps to, I said, call every comparable hotel in the city, ask them if they have vacancies, mm -hmm. tell them to hold every room for us. So call every hotel that's five star. And I want you to tell them we'll buy every room tonight that they have. So every hotel in, in that city, I, I, I reserved for us. And so then what I started to do, I, and this is the part I, this is the part I, I wanted to, now I'm not, a, I'm the manager of the place, but what I told the staff, I said, you did not do this. I'm not going to make you stand here at the front desk and get cussed at and screamed at mm -hmm. all, all night. So I said, I'm going to work the front desk tonight and I will deal with every customer that comes in here. I said, I'm not going to make you deal mm -hmm. with it. And so from two o'clock till the last person was checked in, I checked in every guest into that hotel. I they were working with me, but I was up there with them. And if there was a problem with the guest, if they were mad or frustrated, I would go over there and I would deal with it. And I said, and when I finished, I mean, my suit was drenched from perspiration yes. because I didn't take a break the whole night. I was there the whole night at that front desk. And what I did was when they finished and when they finished up their shifts, they came to me, they're like, Mr. Matthews, they said, I've never seen anyone do anything. They said, most managers would have stayed in their office and wouldn't have done anything. They said, I, they said, I, I, I'm just totally amazed that you stayed out here and you did this. I said, it wasn't your fault. And I was not going to allow you to take this on by yourself. I said, as, right. as, as a manager, I have to lead by example. 
So if if, if they're going to get upset at you, I want I want you to see that I'm taking every shot just along with you. And that changed mm-hmm. the relationship with that crew because they're like, you know what? He's different from everyone else. Right. He's just not a manager, but he understands the team concept and he came over here. And so that was and so at the end of the night, I ended mm-hmm. up making sure that all 500 of those people were placed in different rooms. And so, and the key was what I did was I said, every person that checks in between two and five o'clock, let's let them know that they can go to a comparable hotel and we'll pay for their room. I said, because it's it's easier to relocate somebody between two and five than at midnight. At midnight, they just want to go to their bed. But between... But between two and five, oh, you gonna pay for me to stay somewhere? Okay, I'll go. And so mm-hmm. that's what I did. I so all during the early part of the evening, I I was able to talk a lot of people out of their reservation and sending them somewhere else because we were paying the bill. So that's how I saved the night was I got all of those early people to Hey, you know what? I got a room for you right next door in the same hotel, and we'll pay your we'll pay for your room. All you got to do is just go over there. I need the room. Oh, okay. And so, but again, it's easier to do at between two and five than at midnight one or two. That is an outstanding story. I think that the listeners who hear this, they will be inspired about that because that's one of that is truly a tough situation. So when you said that, I was waiting to see how did he do it, and so you really you kept me my you made the suspense there, but that is an excellent story. So it just shows that no matter what, if you're thinking, if you're positive, you can figure out a way to make it happen. And what was really important is that frontline people usually do take the brunt of stuff, where people right. sit back in an office make policy. And the person at the front desk has to take the heat. So right. I think that's really a great example of true leadership. As I mentioned, that 30 minutes goes by extremely fast. So if there's any last thing that you want to lay on our, our listeners, what would that be? If, if I, my final word would just stay encouraged, just stay encouraged and stay focused and if you if you uh, really desire something, it'll come to pass if you're willing to put in the energy and the time to make it happen. So, uh, Brother Ed, thank you so much for uh, allowing me to be a part of your uh, podcast. And just want you to know I appreciate you very much. And like I said, I just think the world of you. Just think the world. Well, of thank you. you, thank you so much. Now, is there a website or something that people want to get a hold of you and learn more about it? What would that be? Um, actually, just go to. Um, let me get my business card and take a look at it. Make sure I give you the okay. right address. It's um, you can just Sacramento. actually hold it up to the camera. <laughs> it's sacramentojobcorps.org. Sacramentojobcorps.org. And you can get okay. the information. And again, uh, just ask for Roy Matthews, and I'll be more than happy to uh, do whatever I can to assist you. Because I think based on this podcast interview, people were going to want to be in touch with you. Excellent. I appreciate it, my friend. And I know you work hard, but just we just uh, it's a labor of love, it sounds like, for you. So just get a little bit more love. Amen. Thank you so much. All right. And so signing off, 
for WRM Work Relationships Matter. And once again, I'm your host, D. Edward Jones, a certified live coach and podcast host. If you want to know more about my coaching practice, go to www.prodestinycoaching.com. Thank you so much. And we're out. All right. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate you, man. For sure. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.